you've been with us here the last few weekends at St. Mary's, we come to now our third weekend in our focus on our missionary discipleship homily series. What we're doing in these weeks, of course, is considering, asking the question, proposing an answer as what it looks like for us as a parish to be a place where missionary disciples are formed and sent. And last week on the Feast of the Baptism, Lord, Father Vetter did a wonderful job uh, explaining to all of us the essence of baptism, right? That for those of us who are baptized, which I trust it's most, that through our baptism, the fundamental identity comes into our life, namely, we're beloved sons and daughters of God. That is the primary identity of you, and that is the primary identity of me. We are beloved sons and daughters of God, a loving Father. If we don't have that, we can't go forward. If we're not convinced of that identity for us, these next six weeks will be a waste. We have to be convinced deep in our hearts that I am a beloved son or daughter of God through baptism. Okay. Now, as we begin this ordinary time and switch over to green, this week and everyone, we have this incredible privilege of listening to, I think, what is many of our most favorite gospel account, the wedding feast at Cana in Galilee. What's interesting about this account in the Gospel of John is John is the only one who retells this famous story. You won't find it in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's only John. And that makes some sense, doesn't it? Because it was John who, after Good Friday, after Jesus was killed, what did John do? He took Mary into his home. And one can only imagine over the next several decades as John and Mary shared life together. I think there was a few times maybe they retold this story. I think there was a few times where they said, hey, remember that wedding? Remember that wedding at Canaan and Galilee? Do you remember when Jesus kicked this whole thing off and began to reveal, not just to us, but to others, who he is by his first sign and wonder, performed at a wedding, right? And in fact, we hear the line tonight that Jesus did all this, this entire scene took place as the beginning of his signs in Galilee. To do what? To reveal his glory. To show that he's not just a prophet, not just a teacher, but to reveal his glory. And what happened? The disciples began to believe in him. Now this would be a great, great wedding homily. In fact, it is. But we're not on that tonight. But it's also a wonderful homily, or I should say gospel account, for us to focus on this continued question of what does it mean to be a parish where missionary disciples are formed and sent. What I want to draw your attention to is the opening lines of tonight's gospel. We're told this, there is a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. So who was there? Well, Mary, of course. John must have been there. He retold the account. When John's there, usually his brother James is there. Peter doesn't like to be left out. I'm guessing Peter might have been there as well. 
But then it says, his disciples were also there. So what does that tell us? That not just the 12, Peter, James, John, and the rest, were there, but the disciples were there. Not just the 12, but also his friends. Now, I'm not sure what the wedding invitation process, who's in, who's out, looked like in first century Palestine. I know what it looks like in 21st century in America, and it's tight, isn't it, everyone? But what did the wedding invitation selection process look like in first century Palestine? Well, if it looked like it looks now, is it possible that the host of the wedding said, okay, make sure you invite Mary, make sure you invite Jesus, and I guess as long as you're inviting Jesus, don't forget about his friends, too. Don't forget about his disciples. Now, I'm not trying to be too cute or folksy, everyone. But what does that tell us? The fact that Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding is not a point to be missed because what it tells us is this. For those who knew Jesus, they knew he lived in friendship with those around him. For those who knew Jesus, Jesus had a certain reputation in his circle. For what? Living in close friendship with those around him. Why else would they all have been invited to this wedding? Because they were known for sharing life together. And not just big things, right? Ordinary things like going to a wedding of a friend. Jesus was known for sharing life with his friends. Now, what does that mean for us? It means this. Through baptism, we can now take this thing a step further. Not only are we beloved sons and daughters of God, but through that, we are given the opportunity to share life with Jesus. To share friendship with Jesus. How many of us spend any time thinking about that? Discipleship at its heart is sharing life with Jesus. And we know that the apostles, the disciples did that. And we're given the same opportunity. So what I want to do real quick on a practical level is share two steps that you and I can take in faith for us to hopefully better share life and better share friendship with Jesus. Now, you're thinking that I'm going to tell you to go to church more, right? Pray more, go to confession more, give more money, do all these things. No, huh, no. So what am I going to tell you? Two practical things. Number one, the word is acknowledge. To acknowledge what is going on in your life. To name what is going on in your heart, in your desires, in your thoughts, in your relationships, in your family, in your job, in your work, in your school, in your sufferings, in your joys. To name it. To acknowledge it. So, last week, Father Vetter did a wonderful job talking about feeling the warmth of God's love. True. What happens if you don't? What happens if you're sitting there right now saying, Father... I haven't felt that in decades or ever. Okay. 
acknowledge it. Name it, everyone. Name it. Name it. What if your heart is filled with a great deal of gratitude at something going on in your life? A great deal of joy? Then name it. What if you are shackled by negativity and self-pity and you walk around and say, poor me all day and you're totally enslaved to it? Name it. Acknowledge it. That's the first step. It's that simple. But then step two is to do something about it. And what is it that we do about it? Not try harder. The second word is relate. To relate it to Jesus. To share it with him. We as human beings love to think and analyze and process and obsess and to think some more, and to process some more, and to keep thinking and thinking and thinking. And my question for people often is this simple. So when you share that with Jesus, and then I get the deer in the headlights, what are you talking about? Are we disciples or not? Are we friends of Jesus or not? Friends of Jesus share life with him. And so why would we not name for him and then acknowledge and relate to him what's going on in our life. Now, this isn't a magical formula, but these are the beginning steps of what friendship with Jesus looks like. To not just name things, excuse me, not just numb things, but to name it. To acknowledge and then relate. Those are two operative words here this evening. Now, Let me wrap up by saying this. The most famous scene in this gospel account is Jesus changing water into wine, right? We could have a lot of fun with that. The most famous line in this gospel is when Mary says what? Do whatever he tells you. What did Jesus tell his apostles after the resurrection? What was the last great thing he commissioned them to do? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching. Our blessed mother, everyone, told the crowds to do what he tells us. What Jesus tells us to do is what we're trying to do in these weeks and years ahead to make disciples of all nations. Now, let's tie all this together. So baptism, the place where you find your identity, not in your passport, not in your political party. The place you find identity is baptism. But where does this whole missionary discipleship thing come from? Where does it begin? Because everyone, you and I know that there's lots of baptized people out there that aren't living this, aren't doing this. There's places in our own hearts that aren't doing this. So where does missionary discipleship begin? It begins where we begin to say yes to the mission of Jesus, the mission to make disciples of all nations, where we personally begin to do whatever, in fact, he tells us. 
It was Jesus' own yes to the Father when he began to reveal his glory. So for us, everyone, discipleship begins when you and I begin to say yes more often. When we say yes to God's plan for our life. When we begin to accept this call that our Lord has given to all of us to make disciples of all nations. Everyone, may we, in these moments in front of us, live friendship with Jesus. That is my great appeal. Live friendship with him. And we do so by acknowledging what's going on and then relating it to him. And if we're doing that, we're beginning friendship with him. And then we can make disciples of all nations.